Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Our friends, our 2018 presenting sponsors, the people with a great view of the Pacific Ocean here in California. You know why? Because they have a great company. 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within a day. They are the best at distributing your job to the best boards, identifying the right people, inviting them to apply. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. And if you haven't done that already, just do it. Do it for me. Father's Day is coming up. I have two kids. You can do it. A couple Ringer things to mention. The Ringer MLB show came back this week. We changed the format. We wanted to get more of the staff involved. It relaunched on Tuesday. Michael Bauman hosting, talking to a bunch of staffers. Mallory Rubin got to complain about the Orioles. Sean Fantasy got to freak out about the Mets. Zach Cram broke down Otani's whole, should he count as one fantasy guy or two thing? I think he should count as one guy personally. And then uh, and then old friend Ben Lindbergh came in at the end. They broke down the free agency. This feed's going to go in a lot of directions over the, over the next 10 days because uh, the season is starting somehow very soon. If you're all in on baseball and you know everything, I think you'll enjoy it. If you're a casual fan of, of your favorite team and you kind of sort of know what's going on, I think you'll enjoy it too. We're trying to get both sides of the coin there. And I mentioned this because Jacko and I are going to tape something today, specifically for this pod. It's going to be Jacko's 2018 Yankee preview. And we're going to try to hose him down a couple times during it because I know, I know he's very excited about this team. But subscribe right now. And you can get Jacko. And when Jacko and I do the Red Sox Yankees thing this season, I think we're going to gravitate over this pot every once in a while. So check it out. Ringer MLB show. Also, one one more point of business for me, the recapables, which I hope you're listening to because we've been breaking down Atlanta. And uh, it's a really fun podcast. I really, really genuinely enjoy it because that's my favorite show. And I just want to hear people talk about it after. Another one of my favorite shows is Billions. And we are launching the Recapables Sunday night. So Mallory Rubin, the mother of dragons, and I, me, Bill Simmons, we are going to tape the Recapables season three billions. It's going to be every Sunday night during the season. This show will end. And then Mallory and I are going to come on and we are going to break it down. She's taking this way more seriously than I do because she's just better at this stuff than I am. Uh, I'm lazy and I'm old. She has rewatched every episode and if you go to binge mode this week, her and Jason Concepcion, the hardest working man in show business, are breaking down basically the first two seasons of Billions in their typical crazy deep dive way. They're going all in. And that's running, I think, late Thursday, early Friday. So if you want to catch up on the two seasons and and remind yourself of stuff like how funny it was that Axe and his wife were trying to eat pizza, which was, I think the ringer staff's favorite moment of the last two years on any television show is watching these two foreigners pretend that they knew how to eat pizza. Hilarious, especially somebody from Sweden. It looked like she had never held a pizza slice before, but a lot of that deep dive stuff, fantastic. It'll be great. I'm excited. I just hope Mallory doesn't kind of run me off the road. Basically. I mean, she's, she's a potent talent and she cares about this stuff. I'm just going to try to hang on. I'm going to be like a, Larry Bird, the last two Celtics seasons, just trying to hang on 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 what I remember 
what's what's left of my ability. So check that out. Check out TheRinger.com this week. We have a lot of great stuff. And March Madness heating up, obviously. One Shining Podcast had an awesome week last week. I'm really proud of those guys. They built their audience. They were they were in. It was an awesome college basketball weekend where we had uh, the 16 over the one. We had some buzzer beaters. They were there for everything. We were doing videos on Instagram. It was great. I felt like I was watching the tournament with them the, the whole weekend. So check that out as well. Coming up, an interview I did yesterday with the Bennett brothers, Michael and Martellus, that we just press play and, and it just it just goes. This was... I know I always say this, but this was definitely one of the most fun ones I've done just because I didn't know what the hell was happening the whole time. We were just jumping around all these different directions. And uh, and I felt like it could have gone on for like 10 hours. So we we left a little on the table for the next one. It's really fun. Coming up right now. But first, our friends from Pearl Jam. What an honor. The Bennett brothers are here. Both of them are on their phone, even though I already started the podcast. Well, I didn't know you started. Start. Yeah, I started. Talk to you. This, this is it. Not, this is, a, this is, is America Damn, now. Come Who on. Talk? You haven't been to dinner lately? Come on. Come on. This is like being with my kids. Yeah. I've been waiting to do this one for a while. I already like one of you more than the other because you played for the Patriots, but he's on the Seahawks, who I did not like, and now he's on the Eagles. So we're going to have to get over that. We're going to have to get over the hump. Um you signed with the Eagles, what a week ago, or you did? They traded you, so I guess they it was, traded me. But you, you wanted it to happen, right? No, nobody ever wants to get traded. I mean, I, mean, I thought you were leaving. I never said I was leaving. I said that there's an opportunity that people thought I was going to retire because I said that at the end of the season, it's a young man's game, and which is true. Yeah, but I was just saying this. I was just speaking the realities of sports. I think fans don't really like the reality when you talk about. What really happens in sports? Every year, teams change, people change, and and so you never know what's going to happen. And then so I end up going to Philly. I mean, I had, there was a lot of teams, but Philly was the best situation. Yeah, there's no loyalty in sports. It turns out there's no loyalty at all. I think this. I think people are figuring that out more and more every year. Yeah, but it's still it's, funny. Like I, I've it, done a bunch of podcasts with Durant. It started with Durant. That's what I was going to say. Well, it really started with LeBron, though, right? Yeah. Like when LeBron went to, when he jumped out of Cleveland, I was like, oh my God, he stabbed Cleveland in the back. Yeah. But then you see what happens in football. It's like, ah, oh, you're not quite as good as you were before you're out. We released you. Sorry. Yeah. And then that's it. I mean, you've had a couple experiences with that, right? Uh, yeah. I've been do I call you Marty or Martellus? What do you want? Marty, awesome guy. Okay. Be- Mr. Beautiful. It's all works for me. Yeah. I mean, you guys seem both very aware of your... Beauty, mortality with of an NFL career that it's could be probably somewhere between eight and twelve years, depending on how good you are. Well, right? no, three and a half 13. years. No, two, two. I'm saying for a starter. If you a good, no, if you got to be a superstar, or you got to be like a guy who could just maybe top of your yeah. You got to be like I guess if you can sneak around, but most guys don't make it that far. Like two or three years is probably like the average career. I mean, that's the whole thing when they talk about that whole money thing, like athletes going broke. If you really think about it, if you only play three years and you make 500000 and you pay your agent 30% yeah. of that, and then you pay taxes and then you got two baby mamas, you got a car, that's pretty much it. Well, that, that, some people don't have baby mamas, but they still got the baby mama drama. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, did, uh, when I was at 30 for 30, we did 
a documentary called Broke. I know. That's we why. I yeah, it up. yeah, yeah. And that was so you probably the issue. Wait, you think that was bad? You didn't like that one? No, because you didn't speak. The, I mean, the what you were saying, a lot of stuff was kind of true, but then you didn't give the facts about the how long people's careers are. That's a fair criticism. And you, I, didn't, and I you were talking about the good side, too, of guys who did great with their money. Every documentary is biased, though. Yeah. It's one person's perspective on a certain topic. Not every documentary is biased. Yes. That all... one was a really tough one. And I got to say, like, I liked it and I think it was important. But was I really also good. feel like I feel like it was flawed. And we knew it at the time because we're trying to tell this story that's really like an eight-part story. And we're trying to do it in an hour and a half or no, whatever it was. It and there was no way to... It wasn't bad. 100% you do don't that. feel like every documentary is biased? No, I think you're trying to tell a story. I don't think some of from them. From your perspective. So anytime you tell a story from your perspective, it's, it's somewhat biased. Well, I, if you do a documentary correctly, you're telling a story, but you're trying not to have bias in it. And I think yeah. that's the challenge. Yeah, that is a challenge. Like some, most of the time, it sounds like it's being hard married. to pull out. <laughs> No, it's just it's like you want to tell the truth, but you really can't tell the truth. No, if the that's food's not really it. good, is the is the spaghetti good? You kind of go like, well, so like we did the you right. That was just like a straight shot of here's yeah. this program, crazy stuff happened, and then the coach, you know, the coach left, and that was part one. And then part two is like more crazy stuff happened. That really didn't have a perspective. It was just like <laughs> here's all the stuff that happened. But it was cool though because you had actual players that were there at the time doing testimonies at the same time True. like you know like, yeah but don't you feel like in the last few years players are finding their voice publicly i think social media helps podcasts videos uh, just in general i think it's easier for players to be heard than it was 20 years ago yeah but they're not really saying what they really want to say you guys are but we're rare yeah, it's rare that's why he's a black unicorn I'm Black Santa. Those are two rare things. Those are two. Could you imagine Black Santa rolling on a sled, pushed, pulled by black unicorns that's, as he delivered gifts out of a big black bag? That's that's not that's right. But we, I mean, I feel like in the NFL or in sports, you got to wear a mask because everything's kind of tied to your sponsors and all those kind of things. So, I mean, you can understand why guys don't want to take those chances. Why would they want to walk off the edge when they know that they could build these bridges with all these other companies? And why speak the truth? So, you know, you got to walk that fine line. You know, you're never going to hear certain athletes say certain things. But I think if you look at LeBron James, to me, LeBron James is like the only athlete at his at his level. Michael Jordan, not Tiger Woods, not anybody that's ever been at that level who speak on the things that LeBron James speaks but on. But LeBron so, is, is, LeBron's at a point where you really can't touch him, yeah. right? So. He's a little safer for him to do it now because he's LeBron James. He's the greatest basketball player ever, you know. And yeah, third. Uh, depends well, who you ask. Will Chamberlain first, right? Huh? Wilt's first, though, right? I got Jordan first. Who's second? Bill Russell. He won eleven titles in thirteen years. That's that's because he's on the team. How can he, he was, not have number one then? Uh, Jordan won. Why is Why isn't Bill one? I, Jordan was at another. Jordan was winning titles by himself. And he ain't won really crazy shit. He won Game years? Six in Utah by himself. Oh, so he scored 150 points. No, so you think Wilt's and number one? He passed one? the ball to himself and then he <laughs> and he dunked it and then he took the ball out and then he threw fair. the ball to himself. I feel like Will Tremblay is the best player player because his stats are just like ridiculous. Look at a playoff history, a game, one of his series is fifty points, thirty four rebounds, you know, something crazy, a, a triple double. But in twenty twenty, it's like that's like with no three point line. So you no care about point. stats more than <laughs> stats more than winning? I mean, I think it's. A, I just think at some point, what Will Tremblay did was just like. 
I, well, it, just, it just was. You not. have to if you talk about the greatest player because it becomes individual statistics that that you put. Because there's like, if not, Robert Ory should be in the greatest category. I actually, I wrote a huge basketball book and and rated Robert Horry higher than usual because I feel like what he did as a as a role player was freaking incredible. He was like the best version of whatever you would want in that yeah. spot. Yeah. And that should, so the big question for me is like, with him was, would you rather add his career or Carl Malone's career? Like almost everybody would pick Carl Malone, right? But Robert Horry was a part yeah. of all these great championship teams, which is the whole point of Sports. Sports, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess but Malone so. was like first team NBA for 12 straight years and played for 20 years. And he's yeah. one of the 20 best players ever. But then he was so, so mean like, to Magic Johnson, better? though. The which one? He was so mean to Magic Johnson, though. Who was? Carl Malone. Yeah, that wasn't great. Yeah, that's one of his, that was low, that's one of his lowest moments, probably. That was bad. Yeah. <laughs> so do you feel like you feel like NBA players have more leeway than NFL players to speak out? Speak yeah. out? Because I feel like they do. Yeah, there's less, there's less of them. So like for us, you think about... Like an NBA player, there's NBA guys that you may not even know that's on a team that's bounced around in a, in a uh, NBA for 15, 17 years. That's not happening in the NFL. I think that the the turnover rate is so fast, and they're always looking to replace you anyway. So anything right. extra that's going to push you off the edge faster, most guys try to stay away for because the NFL promotes the team and the NBA promotes the players. The players are the league. So yeah. they love the individualism that comes from each player that they bring to the t- uh, the to the to the not only the league but to the team. So they celebrate individualism in the NBA and the NFL they do not celebrate individualism because it pulls away from the logos of the team. So if you have guys over here that are super super awesome and their brands are growing bigger and people think about them before they think of the team, teams teams don't like that. They want to move away from that. They yeah, he's want selfish. Uh, Richard Sherman. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, well, so NFL careers are half as long, maybe even a Maybe even three times. A fraction. Or half as short, maybe three times as short. You guys are wearing helmets. And the money's not guaranteed. So, like, and we don't have it. Like, you don't really recognize, like, the likeness of an NBA player is much more recognizable because you see their face all the time. You zoomed in on their face. Like, they get the Nike contracts. Like, NFL players, like, they don't really get the deals or get promoted like that in yeah. sports unless you like Odell Beckham. And then you got the— Or a quarterback. Yeah, yeah and quarterbacks, and there are—most of them are super lame anyway. So, um yeah, that wasn't a Tom Brady shot, right? No, I love Tom. Okay, good. Good. Um, I would I would just ended the podcast right now. Yeah. You can't, can't nah, besmirch cool. Tom Brady. Tom's cool in a Tom Brady way, though. Like, tr- like Tom Brady is not uh, transcending coolness. As he's far too as- famous now. It's almost like, he, and he's like 15 years older than half the guys in the team. But when I say cool, I'm thinking about like, you want to dress like them. You right. want to, you know, you want to be that person. Like, people wanted to be Mike. Not only because of the way he played, but yeah. the way his charisma, this his character, the way he looked, the way he's dressed. Like yeah. people wanted all that. Guys got the hoop earrings because of Mike, you know, and people dressing like Odell, grown man with blonde hair. Yeah. <laughs> so like kids want to be like Odell. Why are you That's be true. Like Odell? I have a ten year old son who we throw passes in the backyard and he tries to catch one handers. And I'm like, yeah. your your hands are too small. You he can't do the Odell. Odell. Be like Odell. Yeah, they want to dress. They want to dress. They want to. <laughs> they want to dress like him. They want to dance like him. Yeah. That's when you start to transcend the sport. Yeah. Um. In basketball, it happens more often. You have like you know a lot of kids. Westbrook. I don't know if they want to dress like Westbrook, but Westbrook has definitely transcended. He, he does. He he's a lot of fashion. Victor Cruz does a lot of fashion too, as far as NFL. Yeah, yeah but, but there's Victor a good Cruz example. He's a, gone. In two years yeah, where he was like a star and then all of a sudden he was because, on a different team. Because Odell Beckham stole his life. Yeah. 
All yeah. the stuff that Vic was doing that was all awesome. Then all of a sudden, he came to this guy who was a little bit cooler. Yeah. You know, and yeah, have more swag and hang out with Drake. Yeah. So I, I noticed with the NBA players, because I've loved the league my whole life and I watched it have all these up and downs where, like, when I was a kid in the 70s, it was the league. It was like, it's too black. It can't, there's no way it can resonate with the mainstream. Yeah. It's like, people it's love for black white culture, fans. Though. And yeah. now, then it started flipping in the 80s. Then in the 90s, it flipped back the other way. It was like, these guys are all overpaid. They get yeah. paid too soon. We got to stop them. Yeah. They don't know how to handle money. And then like the LeBron era comes in. And these last 15 years, like we love the NBA. And now I look around and it's like with Dame Lillard's maybe, what, the 16th most famous basketball player? Yeah, he plays in Portland, though. He plays in Portland. He's really famous if he walked anywhere people would know who he was whereas like Mike Trout on the Angels he could walk by us right now and I don't know if everyone would even recognize him he's the best baseball player I would recognize his biceps before I recognize yeah, his face like, that guy's jacked he's got to play a sport <laughs> but yeah I do think the advantage is I think people feel like they're connected to them and yeah. I think that's a big reason why the league's taking up but the other thing that we didn't talk about is um, you know the owners and the commissioner in the NBA they understand that it's a players league yeah, yeah, but they drive but, but the they, attention to the players. The NFL is the opposite. But you are saying the NFL is making way more money than the NBA, right? They're they, driving. The, they the, don't want you guys to become man, they, stars. They, they sold Thursday night football four times, right? So how do you feel about that? Because that's a nightmare to play on a Thursday after you played on a Sunday. Oh, it's hard. But I was amazed. I'm like, so wait, you sold to Amazon? Do you sold? To oh yeah, Twitter? he was in four different suitors. And then yeah. you sold it to Yahoo. I'm like, you do how? How are you gonna? Then you sold it to you know, you sold it's like they got it on TV, they got it on Instagram, they got it on, they got it on every single format. And so like the business plan for the NFL is crazy. Like they said that like even like the All Star Game, like the NBA All Star Game has all those different things, and it still didn't reach the number for the Pro Bowl. And it's like. Yeah. As much as people love, say that they love the NBA, the NFL is still the America's sport. Yeah, it's fu it's funny. Like sometimes on a Thursday night, there'll be an awesome game, like in November. And it'll be like Golden State versus OKC, Russ versus KD. And it feels like everybody in my life, all they're thinking about is this game. And then it'll be like Tennessee versus Indianapolis <laughs> on on what Thursday football like did twice the rating. It's like, how is that possible? People love football because people love like, football. I feel like um, when you think about a sport that is just American sports only play here. So it's like it has this ha baseball's played in other countries, basketball played in other countries, soccer's played in other countries, but the NFL is just here. And so it's like it's people live by that. When people play a city, they feel like they're a part of it. When Seattle plays uh, LA, it's for like it's we're, we're versus their city. We're better than that city. We yeah. don't like them, you know. But the the other thing that too though is that like if you miss a basketball game you feel like you can see it later right the yeah. football games only happening once like once it happens it's gone you want to be it's, it's not so, as fun to watch it two social, hours later yeah it's social currency so like you get to go to work on Friday and be like hey did you see that game last night you know so but like basketball if you're like oh I missed um KD versus Westbrook. Oh, they got five more games this year. They're going to play True. against each other. But I'll you, just catch one of them. Or you could go on league pass and just but, bang through uh, it in yeah, 10 minutes. Watching a basketball game rerun yeah. is not like watching an NFL game rerun. It's like totally different. And then when you go to the NBA games, you you go to the stands and 
and there's more people in the um, getting food than there is watching the game they're there but the NFL is like every time you look up it's full like nobody's ever leaving like people pee on themselves you know people wear adult pampers <laughs> yeah. so they can watch the game like, I'm not Tom Brady's I'm not moving this Super Bowl I'm gonna pee on myself and that's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna watch the Super Bowl I'm not gonna move it's like or people, they know that there's a 12 minute break between the point after the instant replay yeah. the kickoff the all the yeah. 10 minutes of commercials it's Maybe like a movie run out right then it's like no, a movie just pee on I don't like live football as much I love watching on TV, especially now that the TVs are nice and wide and HD. I can see everything. When I go to a game, I'm just like. The seats are too uncomfortable. Right, because you're in a suite. No, I'm not in a suite. I sit with the fans. You sit with the fans? For, why, why wouldn't I? I thought you was like I'm a, a Kardashian. Fan. He could blend in, though. Get the hell out of here. You're famous like a Kardashian. No I thought you was sitting He could with blend the in, though. I have Clippers. Yeah. I just, I, I put clip. I have Clippers season tickets and I go. How much just those cost? sit with everybody. I think they're going to cost less next year. Yeah, they will. I'll tell you that much. They got rid of everybody. You know, me and DeAndre Jordan played together in high school. Yeah, so you were you were like good enough at basketball to think you could potentially actually play basketball he professionally, just, right? He just, then he just shot you down. Or is he, and nice. That's like yeah, he just what said, did he say? Fuck you, like so nice. No, I was in the draft. No, that's not what I did. Potentially could be able to Stop play. Try, I know you you're on the Eagles, skill. but start trying trouble. No, he did like the quare for the draft. I remember that whole thing. Yeah, man, you were in. You were ready. You were ready to do it. Yeah, I, I worked out for teams. I worked out for the Supersonics and the Grizzlies and other teams as well. What was his game like? Man, he I, I feel like he was like LeBron James, like as far as like being able to like, I mean. We you take just a, compared him to the greatest player of all time, according I was to him. My body type and be, what he was doing, like he was Martin. going to the lane, like he was strong. He was like a LeBron. To Physical. Me, like he, LeBron's like a football player playing basketball, but yeah. not like a Blake Griffin way. Like Blake Griffin's a, <laughs> like Blake Griffin's a basketball <laughs> He looks like a football player when he's playing. He's like he has the ball. He's he's like moving slow, but, he, but then like LeBron was like fast, and like moving. a power game. He, with he's speed. like moving like you know what I'm saying. And, yeah, and Martos is like that too. I feel I was, like he was he was quick. He was tight end. I always said my game was like Dwayne Wade's. Interesting. He's my favorite player growing up. How tall are you? Six seven. Do you play anymore or now? Yeah, I still play. I still got it. I can't shoot like I used to because I don't shoot enough shots. Well, what's funny is now there's this whole trend of taking college basketball players and converting them to tight end, but you're kind of the opposite. How many of them have actually been successful at it, though? Only a couple. Yeah, so, like, everybody has this idea, like, they, could, they take all these basketball— There's more guys in the NFL that could play in the NBA than there are NBA guys that could play in the NFL. Well, do you think, like, if you guys were growing up now, let's say you're 8 and 10 or however, okay. whatever the age Where difference is. Because that's got to play factors. Yeah. If I'm playing sports, is my dad successful— what is we talking about? You same background you had when oh. you were growing up. It's just we're moving it twenty years forward. Are you more prone to play basketball than you would have been twenty years ago? I think Knowing be, what you don't know about football, I'd be a YouTube star. Be a YouTube star? You'd be they like opening so much, toys on YouTube. They make so much money. I'm like, <laughs> which is the creepiest 20, thing ever? Twenty six million dollars this year. Like I was like, now everybody wants to be a YouTube star. It's so easy. Like you know, you could just be on. But I'll either be a YouTube star or the NBA. I think that's like two good jobs. Did you play basketball or were you always football? No, football and swimming and tennis and stuff like that. Swimming, yeah, brother that could swim. Don't get surprised. No, I'm just, I'm more surprised by <laughs> your over swimming. 200 pounds. I didn't know your people could swim. No, that's, that's amazing. Not, what I said. not only was he a swimmer, he's a certified lifeguard. This he is a lives. funny riff, but that's not what I meant. Have I've never ever, seen a swimmer over like 170 pounds. Was a big have you ever seen, have you ever seen a lifeguard in the hood? Nah, that is a summer job. <laughs> that's a real now hard you're trying job. trying to give me in trouble. <laughs> that's a hard job. 
You got you got you gotta be ready. You gotta be on alert all day. My sister almost drowned like three times. She in here right now. I was just, why you keep running to the pool? You can't swim. And nah, I gotta be the guy to save the girl in the pool. And then everybody wants to know who's that? Like, that's my sister. So it's like, yeah, so swimming was something I like doing, um, tennis, all that kind of stuff. What were you your basketball, football, you were everything, and then you just settled on the two? I mean, tell I, was, us? I mean, I was the number one basketball, number one football player in the state. I grew up in band. I grew up playing instruments, and I was an artsy farsy guy. I enjoyed doing art and crafts. Who was the number two basketball player in the state? Calvin Miles, CJ Miles. CJ Miles. Yeah, still cranking. Me and him in Toronto. Me and him used to go at I'm it. Always like that dude's game. We used to go at it. Good role player. We used to battle all the time in high school. Yeah. Some people had him at number one, and then the other guy was Gerald Green. Gerald so, Green. Mm-hmm. Played on the Celtics. He never got a good contract. I don't know how. He's always does a good job coming off the bench. He so I'm a Celtic fan, so I was there for early Gerald Green. He should have stayed. He should have gone to college for a year. He was too raw when he came in. He's, he could shoot and he could he jump. He could shoot and jump, but he had, he had no idea how to do anything else. Yeah. Now he's like he was in the Celtics last year, and he was like the clubhouse leader of the team. Like they loved him. He was he's like, like the, the, guy. the Rockets now. I'm and glad now that he the got Rockets, to go home. He's like their enforcer. Yeah. Yeah. You need um, a force on your team. Yeah, of course. You need that one or two guys who's going to, if somebody pushes Chris Paul in the stands, at least one guy has to come over and be like, you don't do that to Chris Paul. Yeah, yeah you don't want people like like a whole bunch of Russell Wilsons, you know what I'm saying? You got to have like one, you got to have more, you got to have three or four Marshawn Lynch's on on your team that are, at, at any moment, you'll know, never know what they're going to do, whether they're going to come to work or they're going <laughs> to drop kick the coach, you know, Latrell Sprewell. You just never know. You can't have a whole bunch of nice people on the sports team. You need one good guy that does everything right, you know, prays and does all the stuff and then like, hey, let's go play. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then you, know, you need some thugs. That's just how it goes. You can't, well, yeah. You need a couple guys that are like seven round draft picks that drive Ferraris. Yeah. Because they won't bring it every single day. They live in that lifestyle. They get drunk the night before, <laughs> hang out with some Instagram models. You know, and they just, they live the IG life. They got a lot of jewelry. But when they come to work, they you know you're going to get their best because they just love the the life. When you, when Marshawn left the Seahawks, could you feel it in the, in the locker room? Oh, yeah, man. Marshawn's personality is so big and he's such a, he's one of those dudes that I feel like is really like Nina Simone. He's, he's like, has that misunderstood, you know, he's a, people just misunderstand him all the time because he's such a great, great guy when it comes to doing community. Um, he's just a good person teammate when he shows up to everybody's thing he plays hard practices when he practices he practice hard um so when he left you could feel it he was just he was just that guy who had that had that swag that made the Seahawks feel like a different type of team he ran the ball the way that you know the old guys ran it Jim Brown and all those kind of guys and Walter Payton you know they were truck people and Natron Means and guys like that like they carry the ball and be tough with it and so he got he brought a lot of stuff to the team I'll tell you when um when he got to the one yard line after Hightower tackled him and we're freaking out and I don't understand why Belichick won't call timeout. And I just assumed they were going to give it to Lynch again. And then they threw it. I was very relieved they didn't give it to Lynch. Cause I, even though I think he we had all of our big play. dudes, we had every single over 250 pound guy on the team in the front. Like we were definitely in like run goal line all time. You're not running on us, but I still feel like he might've scored. Who, Marshawn? I think he, I just feel like he would have gotten a yard. I mean, second, it was second down, right? It was second what, down. What plays this? It was Super Bowl, right after Hightower tackled him on first down. Don't act like you don't remember yeah, that play. Yeah. yeah, come on. Come on, Michael. The play, the so, play that set Seahawks in the turmoil there right yeah. now. 
Was they that haven't true? been able to recover from it at all. Know. Now they try to get rid of all the guys that experienced that. I want to forget that. about Bill Cosby. I just want to forget. <laughs> they like, wanna, what they, are you not... talking about? Jello pudding. I don't know what happened. I'm sure it was, didn't happen. I know. I I gave her some water, but <laughs> the uh... she was thirsty. <laughs> Was that true? The stories about the team was pissed after that they didn't hand it off to Lynch and they didn't understand it, and that actually caused real dissension. I don't know. I wasn't. I didn't. Don't really. I wasn't there, so I left after the game. I went straight to my wife's uh, grandmother's funeral. I left after the game, so I don't know what happened really. And then I never came to off season workouts either. So I that guess, sounds like a non denial. <laughs> Well, I was. I don't know what. I can't really be honest with you. I don't know. Like, you had teammates. You didn't talk to them about it. You didn't text nah, people. I mean, like, why the hell did they hand off to Marshawn? I mean, people. Of course, people were mad. But I mean, you have to get over those type of things. I think everybody just kind of just moved on. Some people didn't. All the people I hung with, they moved on from. Why me. are you holding your mic like you, Jimi Hendrix, or somebody? Yeah, right. <laughs> he's, he's gonna get up. Start, he's like walking around like Chris Rock. I like Tom Petty. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> How often, Tom Petty. how often do you think about the pass interference on the game-winning touchdown in overtime where you could have just caught it? I know. Somebody's like, oh, you dropped a game-winning You didn't I'm drop like, it. You got like interfered bad. with. Like, you I set up the touchdown. Try to catch it around his back. I mean, You should have been MVP that game, though. You made some good plays that game. You okay. had that touchdown. Yeah. I mean, we caught it so many times, too. Tom always looks at me. He's like, man, I should just put it up a little bit more up there for you. But we both look at each other like, but we won. It was cool yeah. because it was like in my... Like my role with the the Patriots was always interesting. So it was like every single game was a little bit different. I was battling a lot of injuries when I was playing, like you know whatever. So you played hurt that whole year. Yeah, you, you had know. a couple of different injuries, right? Yeah, yeah. I played hurt every. I mean, there was a time where I tore my MCL on a Sunday and played on a Thursday night football game. Jesus, why? Like I because that's I what you do. Like people like that's why people like oh you fake injuries. I'm like what the fuck are you talking about? I've played through pretty much everything you could possibly play through as a as a player. So. What do you remember about that game now, which was the greatest football comeback of all time and one of the great comebacks I of all time? Is it, it like a blur now? No, I remember, I mean, the the thing I remember most, like the most telling time in the whole game was like, so like, we're out there, we're playing, and we're getting our ass kicked. But it's more, we felt like it was our fault, you know? And, yeah. And we're on the side, like, we're like that guy that loves the girl in the middle, of the, but there's other guys on the other side are dancing with her. But you could tell that she doesn't really want to dance with them. And she's just waiting for you to come and be like, May I have this dance? But you don't right. want, you know, so those the Falcons were those other guys that was dancing with the pretty girl, but then we just plotting the whole time, right? So <laughs> <laughs> So, but like we throw the interception, I catch a a screen and get like negative eight yards on a screen or something like that. And then we go into halftime. And this is like the most pivotal point of the game. Like we've won you know, we lost one game when Tom was back to them in a last second play. And yeah. then we lost one to the Bills, which, you know, there was a whole bunch of shit going on. So we haven't really lost any games that year. And we never really, like, we had Nobody a little adversity. Yeah. yeah. We had a little adversity, but no one just beat us, you know? So um, so we get to the we get to the uh, halftime. We go into halftime. And I'm like, all right, this is going to be interesting. I'm like one of those guys that like to see how people are going to react in certain situations of life. Because I read a lot of these philosophy books and stuff like that, like Leaders Eat Last and things like that. And, um... So we get in there and then there's no rah-rah speech. There's nothing. We we already kind of, because with Bill, we had already practiced halftime as well. So right. we already knew. Because well, he knows it's so long. You can't, you got to kind yeah, of pace so, yourself. So right. it's like your first five minutes, you get to yourself. I come in. We have, I like the PB&Js before and after the game. So I'm a big peanut butter and jelly guy. And, and oranges. So I get there, take off our shoes. It's hot. And it's Texas. And we're just chilling. I look around. Everyone's just focused. 
like in a locker and then call us up. Like coach, like, hey, what do you guys see? We tell coach what we see. He tells us what he's thinking. This is Josh and whatever. And then we go back to our seats. But like no one was like, we got to do this. It wasn't like Rudy or any given Sunday. It wasn't Robert De Niro on any given Sunday or anything like that. It was just a bunch of guys in the locker room. And then the only thing that was said, like, all right, there's like two-minute warning or whatever. Then we got the two-minute warning. And then you look around, everyone looked each other in the face. And you could just kind of tell, like, all right, we locked in. And then Julian Edelman was like, um, Juju was like, um, he was like, all right, we've got 30 minutes to make history. This is all we got. What are we going to do? Then we went back out there and we made history. But when we came back the second half, we could tell that they were tired. Yeah. So, like, we were looking at them. And the whole time, there was a, that half of the game was, like, my first time experiencing a game where nothing else mattered but, like, your job. You know, like, they had me chipping. And usually as a tight end, they was playing man-to-man the whole game. So, usually as man-to-man, you like, why I got a chip? And everybody else get to run routes. You know what I'm saying? But, like, this game, it was like, Dwight Freeney will look up at me. I'll see Dwight. He just shake his head. I'm like, yeah, my bad, bro. Like, this is just what I got to do. And then they run the 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 tech stunt where they start twisting because when you chip a lot, they start twisting. Yeah. hope that you get a guy free. But also into the chip, I'll just wait to finish the, for them to finish the text. And then I'll chip the defensive tackle coming around. So... Um, it was just like, I didn't know who caught the ball, who got the ball. What it was just like when they called your number, you came through. And whatever they asked you to do at that moment of time it was just total focus on everyone doing their job. And, and Michael, you're watching just going, they're coming back. They're I was the only back. person that said that. I asked Trent Difford, Steve Young. We were all sitting up in the suite. And I was like, they're coming back. Well, we knew, that, we knew that they didn't have a lot of like, they had a, not that, we, we felt like they were front runners. Right when they had the league, everything was going well. They were going to really, really put it on you. Yeah. But like when things weren't going their way, we felt like we could just get them. Just you could break them a little. Yeah. yeah. And they had Arthur Blank was on the sideline, looking like the guy for Pink Panther. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and he's on the sideline. They over there. They're dancing. All the Ludacris is there. Future is there. Every the Migos on the sideline talking about Versace, Versace, Versace. Everybody's already <laughs> celebrating. They're, here we are. We got Bon Jovi. <laughs> you know, two yeah, two chains told me he was like, my, he was like, Mike, you know, I got a song already in the lab being made. I'm like, so you said he, they were the one. He had a new song. Usher had, everybody had songs for the A after that game. But so, so we get there and then like slowly we just see him getting tired. And the whole time we're all thinking like, we look at each other like, I'm not going to get tired. You're not going to get tired. We felt like we had... Well, the conditioning is a big thing with the Pats. Man, it's the ran, most underrated thing we that they did. We ran the hill every yeah. single day, even going into the Super Bowl to the day we got on the plane. The day before we got on the plane, we ran the hill one more time to go down to Houston. And it's just like one of those things like, really? What the fuck? Like, it's cold. The hill is frozen. You can't get on there. It's like, you're still running it. And then, but those moments where we just felt like we did more than they did. Yeah. So we well, we weren't going to get You're tired. You're feeding off it. Yeah, we started feeding off of it. What's so, Brady like during this whole thing? Uh, He's kind of like Tom calm. Cruise and Mission Impossible. Yeah. He's just calm. And yeah, he's just super calm. And I think his thing is he knows that like he feeds off, like he knows everyone feeds off his energy. So he's really like, hey, you know, he called very articulate with the play. Like, hey, this is what you got. And Tom's one. The thing I love about Tom is because you come to Tom and be like, hey, Tom, I'm open. And most quarterbacks are like, yeah, 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 everybody's up. And Tom was like, oh, yeah, I see it right here. I, does he see it? Does he not see it? Who knows? But he makes you feel like, you know, he, he cares, knows what you're talking about. Right, so like, he gives a shit. There's been, games where, there's been games where, you know, I didn't get 
maybe I got one pass thrown my way. And after the game, Tom was like, he'll come and he'll show me like, hey, I should have got you, I should got you the ball at least four more times today. Just keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a great job. We did a great job getting open during this game. I just missed you. So it's nothing that you're doing is me. And you're just kind of like, well, shit, all right. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's Tom Brady. It's pretty good stuff. Oh, that's how he is. And like me and Tom connected over a home decor. So um <laughs> So we both like we like we both like interior decoration. That was my favorite part of his Facebook show. I like seeing his house. I mean, like, yeah. oh, look at what Tom did with his office. Yeah, he had a he, Facebook show. Yeah, Tom Facebook. had a Facebook show yeah. called Tom versus Time, and it was like kind of like uh, I don't know. It was a little bit like an infomercial, but it was also like really this is his family, and this is this this is how he prepares for games and all this stuff. It was good. Tom's a great. guy. I recommend it. Like Tom's a guy. Like I feel like. After football, there's not many guys I play with that, you know, that I would talk to. But Tom would text me. Well, mostly we DM each other on the IG. But uh, he'll text me out the blue and just be like, man, what you doing up? What you doing, Marty? Like, because he always knows I'm doing cool shit. So I think he lives vicariously through me sometimes. You, you're a free agent as we tape this. So is that a possibility to come back to the Pats? I mean, yeah, it came up in conversation. So I'd be excited. But you get excited um, easily, though. Well, I care about my team. I'm a good fan. I'm the kind of fan that you should respect more. That I really care about the players I root for. I care about their safety. You don't go to their funerals. Well, I don't do that. Yeah, I mean, see, now how good Everywhere. of a fan are you? Like yeah, Michael Jackson died. All his fans <laughs> came to. <laughs> All his fans went to his funeral. Prince died. You're not that good of a fan. When hey, in Houston, everybody was there. What he was saying about how the offense can feel it and rally together, and this is like we got these guys. We're that we worked hard on these. Does, that must happen with defenses, right? Like, did you feel that during the Broncos Super Bowl? Uh, no, we just, no, defense different though. It's kind of like offense. They like a whole bunch of guys. Just like they all like you know do offensive kind of things. You know, like go dinners and do yoga. Defense they do wild stuff. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it would just be wild packs of guys. We just go out and just we just go out there and just have a good time. For us, it's just about beating the guy in front of you every single time. And that's what we just do every time. I mean, the guy in front of us, everybody felt like they were better than the guy in front of them with the Broncos, whether it was the corners or it was the linebackers or whether it was the D-line. So just, you don't feel like collectively there's not a feeling like we can break these guys. We got these guys. Yeah. We're getting, we're we're getting like to that. them. I don't think they have to be in the ass sync as we as do. As the offenses. Offense, yeah, that makes like, sense. When you're clicking and you're hot, like – I mean, there was a time where one day, like even at, like our practices are set up for like failure and things like that. And there's days where the defense will be installing a defense. They'll just have our number that day, right? Yeah. And Josh McDaniels, even at practice, Josh McDaniels, the next day, him, Tom, our whole offense would be like, we're going to go kick our defense ass today. And we'll go over like 17 yeah. for 17 at practice. And we're high-fiving each other and they're mad. So that was how we were every single – the competition level at yeah, that's the Patriots is one of the highest places I've been – Competing like in a weight room, like you go in the weight room. There's it's like college. You got guys' numbers on there, like really? who squatted the most and things like that. So the competition that they that is in the culture there is like one of the biggest things. Like Patrick Chung, like the, if I run a good route on Patrick Chung, he'll high five, he'll shake my hand, but I can see in his eyes he's just like. I'm going to get you next time. Yeah, like, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, same thing with Dev. Like, me and Devin McCourty, like, we'll go at it and things like that. So it was just like, yeah, it was true. just this this environment of competition. And a lot of teams don't have that. A lot of teams want to preach competition, competition, competition. We're going to go out there and compete, and we're going to be the best. We want the best guys to compete and go, we're going to win a game because that's what we do here. They don't really do it. You should do this for a living. What? I don't know. Talk. You could be uh, the studio guy. I know. I'm You're probably getting in trouble. I'm working on some stuff now. 
That sounds cryptic. Yeah. Um, fellas, hold on. We got to take one break. All right. Coming back with the Bennett brothers. I'm fascinated by the difference in the locker rooms with Seattle and New England. Like the stuff you're talking about. Cause Seattle had both ways, right? It was great. It was great. It was great. And then as an outsider, you could kind of see how can this doesn't seem great anymore. In the inside. That doesn't make any sense. It's like walking past a house and be like, I bet the people in the house are just assholes. Well, well, you can't I, do that. I, you got to be Sometimes in the you, can no, you, can you can tell by their lawn, though. You can tell by their lawn. You can tell by the quotes. You can tell by <laughs> whether people are leaking stuff. You can tell by... But you got to understand, Seattle's like... Our team was the was the most famous team in the NFL. Like, There's no team that had as many famous people on the team. Like Everybody on our team was a superstar. Every time... Everybody I looked at and I looked behind me, there's a, there's somebody... Every single commercial was somebody from my team. Yeah. It was Russell, me, or whoever it is. It's somebody from my... On our team. Everybody on our team is super famous. So everybody just... they People just feel like they know our story and they think that we're not close, but everybody on the team was close. Everybody went to everybody's thing. It's just that. So you think it was overblown? It was overblown because there's not, never been a team where everybody was like that. Name one team was that has that many superstars on that team. 85 bears. I mean, even they had some issues. The giants. So I'm saying, but I'm saying yeah. now look at, think about it. Which team has had that many famous people? Not in this, not in the last decade for sure. No, that's what I'm saying. So we I, had, I, I always thought that like hang out cause I hang out in Seattle. So I hang out with all those guys. The things that I thought made them best, and this is just me from the outside speaking in, is that the way their team had bonded, right? So yeah. like, if you go like there, they have barbecues, and every single guy's at the barbecue. Like everyone dropped by the barbecue. I'm like, man, you can't even get a guy to go to lunch with you on most teams. You know, <laughs> yeah. they got they play basketball together. Like one, one person have a party for their kids, and everybody's kid is there. It was just like everyone made time for each other. I think part part of what happens to a team that's that close is when you start moving certain parts out, there are some guys that you may not look at as the players they are in the field, but the bond that they brought yeah. into the locker room. So when you start moving those pieces away, those are the those are the corner pieces to the table. Like everybody enjoys the surface of the table, but no one ever talks about the legs on the table, right? Yeah. What's the most dysfunctional team you've played on? Was there a season where you're like, wow, this is messed up? I never really played on a dysfunctional team. I think... Uh, and I play defense line too, so it's like every defense is always close. We just always like right. we always go do stuff together. Just how it's like Richard Sherman's getting married next week, and like everybody's like you feel you feel bad if you're not going. Like it's yeah. like why am I not going? Like Sherman's. It's like that's how close everybody is on our defense, and it's just like so we were always super close. So I, I I've never really it was never really any dysfunction from from my perspective. You had one dysfunctional team. Which one? The Bears team. One of those Bears teams got a little yeah, weird. That shit was crazy. Yeah. You yeah, were getting in trouble. You were saying crazy. stuff. Huh? What was, so when when it goes wrong with the football team, what goes wrong? Is it is it the best it's players? Leader, is no, it the it leadership? Always, what is it? It always starts with leadership. And when a leadership is weak, other guys try to lead the the army, right? So it's like everybody wants to become the leader. Like So everyone feel like if there's not a good leader in role in, in place that sets the tone for the team, like Belichick's a great leader, you know what I'm saying? Like Pete Carroll is a great leader, you know what I'm saying? So like if that leader is not setting the the tone for everybody else, then 
everyone starts setting leading small groups. So then it becomes militias and not an army. So now we're all like yeah. Mel Gibson and the Patriots. Instead of- <laughs> but then, and if people got respect the coach, see, there's not a lot of co- people, coaches that people respect in NFL. But the Is coaches there- don't respect the players sometimes. Like players, like well, I'm saying, but even just like if you think about the coaches, not a lot of coaches that are highly respected by the players because they don't tell the truth or they don't they don't always keep yeah, it not- real with you. They so it's like yeah. when coaches don't do that, they people just automatically shut them off and they look for they look for leaders and look for guidance from somebody else but i but like coach carroll you don't you don't feel that you feel like you know he cares about you a tad bit you know more than right. any other coach that would I've, I've ever been a part of i like playing for honest coaches yeah i like right? playing for honest coaches that's why well, i like honestly like if you suck like oh yeah all right i suck today all right coach all right i will do better you know because it's so honest when we play great like hey what you did yesterday is we need more of that like either it could be practice or whatever it is like there's coaches that notice everything, but then you got to have leaders in a unbiased leaders, right? Because sometimes guys get so big in their minds or whatever that they start acting like they're not normal people. And then those are guys that, and then sometimes coaches pick leaders. You can't pick leaders, right? Leaders emerge. Right. So you can't say Man, like- you read a lot of leadership books. No, this is just my philosophy on this life. Is philosophy. Well, it sounds like you need to write a leadership book. I, I, I could. I Leaders mean, Eat Last. I've learned that today. Leaders Eat Last. That's an actual that. book. That's an actual book. Leaders Eat Last. Written by a Navy SEAL. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, so a lot of people think about, just to go back, let's talk about leaders. So like, yeah. a lot of people think about the wolf pack, you know, and they think about the leader, the, the alpha dog in the wolf pack. Well, the alpha dog is in the back of the wolf pack. It's not in the front. Because mm. if you're going to attack a wolf pack, you're going to attack it from the back. You're not going to attack it from the front head on. And so the weakest wolves are usually in the back so it protects the the older ones that can't really yeah. keep up so the alpha male is usually in the back of the wolf pack so like a lot of guys want to be like out in the front let's go let's go let's go but sometimes it's the guy that's in the back that you may not see that's not the hip hip hooray guy or whatever that nothing's worse than like a terrible pregame speech like the one um what's the name he's like Let's go oh, eat the, the W. The Jameis Winston. <laughs> yeah, every time I see it, every time I was in, I was talking. Let's to go eat the W. <laughs> I get what he was saying, like you know, what I'm saying like, but there's a lot more of those speeches. He just happened to be the one that got caught on camera. Yeah, and sometimes you, and then sometimes guys be talking. You be like, man, why this motherfucker talking? Like he, like you know, like if you look at what yeah, he who did nominated practice, you. Yeah, they nominate themselves or coach yeah. nominate them because he thinks or they think that people look up to him. But half the time, people don't fuck with him like that. Can I say fuck with them like that on there? You can, you can say, say whatever the fuck, fuck you want. People so, don't fuck with them like fuck, that. Fuck, <laughs> It's fine. Hold up. We'll keep all of it. Huh. Slater was one of the guys in the Pats. I love Slater. Yeah. Slater's but, like big, you know, get people in our guys. But the people who are the leaders are the ones that's always themselves. Yeah. Right? If you're an asshole, be an asshole every day. We know that you're an asshole, so it's easier to accept you in that role, right? And right. if you if you're gonna be like a hill ride guy that's wanna do the right thing, you can't just do it when coach is looking, right? You gotta be that guy all the time. Cause we see you all the time. We see you when coach doesn't see you. So we don't believe you when you start acting a certain way because coach is in the room, right? Yeah, you know? I always hear stories about players. I won't name them, but they there's name them. Well, they, you know, it's maybe okay. I, I hate unnamed sources. Name them. Yeah, at them on Twitter. We will at you on Twitter right now. Drake says Certain Drake guys, says oh, Twitter fingers. Guys who have a high profile, but maybe in the locker room. I know a lot of them. Yeah. There's a lot of people like that. But I, like yeah. you said, it's, it's just the truth. I mean, say can you Can you win in football if your quarterback's not a leader? 
Yeah, you can win. I mean, most yeah. quarterbacks aren't the leaders. It's the it's the people who put it's the offense and defensive line and people like that who do the hard lifting are usually the leaders of the team. I think if you accept the fact that your quarterback is a leader, then you can win. Yeah. Right. Because you should run. If he's with trying him. to be a leader, then that's when it doesn't Sometimes work. Sometimes they ain't trying. You try to they try to force him to be a leader. That's what I mean. But that's not yeah. who he is. Yeah. Right? Just let him be who just because there's this idea of like you're the quarterback, so you're you know, you're, um, you're Jim Moxon. Um, um, you got to be like Moxon. I'm Marcy uh, Blues. Yeah. Marcy Blues. <laughs> so it's like wherever he may be, but sometimes that's not his personality. He may he may lead in a different way, right? Because most people think of a leader, they think about the guy that talks. Sometimes people just lead by example. And those be the, like Julius Peppers. Julius Peppers never says shit to anybody. But when he did, you listen because he only says stuff when he needs to. But the way that he played and the way that he led on the way um, by example, you follow them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you, they don't make sports movies about like the left tackle. They did. Well, the left tackle gave side. a great speech. You got well, to be, be adopted by white people. It wasn't about how he was a leader. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> he got adopted by white people. So he, he definitely yeah. wasn't a leader. You to be adopted by a white family. They don't make yeah. a movie about you. If you're an offensive lineman, me and Michael, I think me and Michael were played in an All-American game together, actually. Yeah. That was a fascinating, uh, I really liked the book. And I got to say, I, I hated myself for it, but I also liked the movie. Sandra Bullock. I thought Sandra Bullock was great. I love her. <laughs> she was awesome. She used to be my crush. To me, that's like a Sandra Bullock Sandra movie. Bullock? Yeah, after like seeing her at Speed, teacher. when she was on Speed on that bus, I was just like, ooh. Yeah, it's great. Pull over. Yeah. Pull over, Keanu Reeves. Let me get on the bus. I, I don't mind if I have to sit on the back <laughs> yeah, of that even, bus. Even Mendez is lying. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think he's, she's to, single and she lives here. I'm sure if she hears, who knows? Who he used knows to ride. He used to put uh, in college. He used to have a. He used to have a car, and um, he had this magazine where it was like Eva Mendez, and he used to put her in the front seat and buckle her in <laughs> in the magazine. <laughs> I love Eva Mendez. And he wouldn't let nobody sit oh in the front. Talking about yeah, Eva Mendez rolling with me today. I was like, yeah, Eva, you might have to sit your ass in the back of this one because I'm sitting in the front with these long ass legs. <laughs> Eva Mendez, yeah, she was she was the one back in the day. Isn't she with uh, Ryan Reynolds? Don't remember. No, Ryan. Uh, she was with Ryan Gosling. Oh, Ryan Gosling. She's still with him. Don't remind me. Well, yeah, that's a beautiful couple. Who knows? You know, when actors date actors, it doesn't last long. You can't, Dang, you can't uh, be ruled out. Y'all go ahead. I, I don't know. I'm still yeah, upset about that. You've been married for 27 years. Yeah, I'm saying, I'm saying, I still don't see how many years. They've been married. They met when we were, we were freshmen in high school. They've been together since freshman year of high school. Wow. Yeah, a long time. So you're a loyal guy. Yeah. So does it hurt when you switch teams? No. I mean, you it hurt a little bit. It hurt a little bit. It's a job to you? It hurt, it hurt a little mm. bit. It's kind of hurt I, a little I, bit. I think because, well, because how much I just love the city of Seattle. It was like the business part is like the business part, but I like actually love the city. Like I go into Seattle, like you could do whatever you want to do. Like, you know, it just was the city. I just liked it because it was a small city. And you felt the vibe from everybody. And they, they fucking love their team there. They do. But then uh, I went to Philly. They really like crazily love yeah, their team. They, there. they go. Have crazy. you played for an East Coast city yet? You no, have. This is my right? first time I've ever been in oh, a big man. city. Boston, Philly, New York, like Washington. It's a whole so, other level because it's cold into the all the time. Game, I got a standing ovation. Yeah, it's a whole other level. I think. And if you screw up, you're gonna hear it too. Yeah, that's so fine. be ready for all the I variations. Got, I got a house in it. another country, so it's like <laughs> at any point I can dip off and be somebody else. John Hancock. I, I think change for Michael is a little bit tougher than for is for me because. Michael's change is when he could change. Like, he wanted to change the scenery. I'm going to go get a house in Morocco. You know, like, he liked to change at his own pace. You know, he Did you really like get it. a house in Morocco? Uh, I don't speak on things like okay. that on TV. Right. But I'm saying, but like, for him, like, for so 
But when someone else forces him to go into a change of situation, then it's like, you know, because you don't really get, because Michael like to prepare. Like, he's like a preparation guy. Like, before he makes a move, he, you know, he talks about, you know, like, okay, they have this side of town. He Like, he studies the place before he goes there. Like, I just kind of jump in. Like, I've always been a guy who jumped in the water and be like, oh, shit, there are sharks in here. You know what I'm saying? Like, Michael would know there were sharks in there before. I'll just be in a motherfucker with the sharks. Okay, survival, what do I know? What did I learn on Shark Week? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right though, because it's like I'll be like just I'll study t- the city, the price, everything. I just I am, which sometimes is a bad way to be, because sometimes you think so far ahead that you don't get to live in that that moment right there. So when you get when you you could join the Eagles, who reaches out to you other than the coach? Like do do the, some players reach out? Are they first, texting you? What happens? First, uh, Jeffrey called me. The Alshon? No, Jeffrey uh, Lure. Lure. The, yeah, the he, owner. Yeah, he called me. And then, and then the GM, and then, but I was in New Zealand the, when they first, when they first was trying to get in contact with me. And then I came back and then the day before they traded me, I was on my way to Japan. So then they had to wait till I got back to Japan to go to Philly. That's why I just went to Philly the other day. But they was contacting me while I was in New Zealand. I'm like, dude, I'm like in New Zealand. Like every time you contact me, it's a whole nother day. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I'm ahead of you guys. So it was like, so then you got to start thinking about moving. What's my, where am I going to live? Do I get a house? They're ruining my trip because I'm all the way in New Zealand trying to do fun shit I've never done before. Yeah. And I got to worry about, you know, if I could call me on the phone, figuring out if I'm getting traded. Fuck, when I got traded, I was at Disney World. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's like, yeah, this is Bill Belichick. We just traded for you. And can you come in? Can you fly in tonight? I'm like, nah, coach, it's my daughter's birthday. I'm at fucking Disneyland right now. Like, yeah. Spend money on this shit. This fucking, I'm looking at fucking Peter Pan right in the face right now. Like, I'm going to help him find his shadow. And here you are talking about, can you come to, to Boston? So it's like, you always get traded in the most inopportune times. Like, yeah, the so- middle of sex. You know, like you know, Disneyland, New Zealand, you know, Japan. You never just like, oh yeah, I'll be here in just a second because it's the off season. Yeah, then, then, then uh, Rebecca's just. T- you need to pick a flight. You need to pick this. You need to go. Call. I'm like, I can't. I don't want to pick a flight right Wait, now. I'm like, the people on the it's seven a.m. It takes you oh seven o'clock p.m. I'm like, it's five. It's three thirty a.m. But I haven't answered the phone for a reason. You know, I had to, my wife sleeping. I have to sneak off, and she think I'm cheating on her or something because I'm leaving the room and right. start talking on the phone. I don't want everybody to wake up, but everybody's texting me because they're trying to move forward as I'm like but I'm in a whole nother country and it's like I'm, I'm like I'm too I'm a day ahead of you and so it's like they just blown up my damn phone how many NFL years do you have now 10 how many you have this would be my 11th damn and you both won rings mm-hmm. yeah we're the Super Bowl champion brothers so and if like you, five of us. if you hadn't won a ring would it have mattered to you from a sense of the career you had? Would it have bothered you like for the rest of your life or would it have just been an outcome of the whole thing? No, I think, I think people, I mean, not for us really. I mean, I can't really talk cause we won. I mean, I, we're not losers. So uh, this, well, well, you must see some other dudes like Joe Thomas retired, who was like one of the best left t- tackles of, of his. And he got a job on Fox or his something. generation. Which I don't understand how he, he did that. He never won. Never won a playoff game. Yeah, but the he has no idea even what it feels yeah, like to be happy TV. with football. They have the playoff match. Like, dude, how do you know? Like, he doesn't <laughs> you don't know. Right. Yeah, but, you know. That's true. Like, I feel like Brandon Marshall is one of my closest friends in the NFL. He never been to the playoffs. And is that true? Has, yeah, and he has one of the most historic receiving careers ever. He's never yeah, been to the playoff game. Top 40. Top 40? Yeah. Brandon Marshall is a top. Top top ten eh, careers. Like he's yeah. numbers wise. 
Yeah. He was in his There's 30? a lot of good receivers. I'll say, but he was 33. I'm 48. I've seen a lot of good receivers. I'll say, but who at 33 was doing what he was doing? A lot of people. Receivers at 33 was doing what he was doing. Jay, like, you, can I Jerry introduce Rice, you to Jerry Rice? And T.O. were the only people. What the, about Tim Brown was doing stuff? No, they were Tim Brown the best was guy in, in a Super Bowl I mean, team. Tim Brown was in the, doing what Brandon Marshall was doing when he was like 33, 34. Brandon Marshall was a freak. This is player. recency bias. I'm not going to allow you guys to have recency bias. I'm definitely biased by, by what have you done. I live in a what have you done for me lately world. But you can't do that when you're married, though. You cannot do that. Uh-huh. I do something great every day for her. shit mm-hmm. by just waking up. Like, oh, look at your husband. <laughs> what do you guys, what are you thinking about long-term? What do you guys, what kind of impact do you guys want to have beyond football? Because I know both of you think about this a lot. Uh, you go first. Uh, well, for me, like not to the, get all serious for a second, but I've been serious seems, the whole time. Seems yeah, like a question. I said was serious. Fuck. It um, seems like a good question. For me, like for me, I think of you think about legacy and what legacy is, and I always felt like if I died and people like and my daughter has to go to my funeral, be like, yeah, my daddy had a great stiff arm, you know, he won the Super Bowl. By the time I'm done with life, nobody should even remember that I won a Super Bowl, right? Right. It should just be like, oh yeah, he won a Super Bowl too. That was and then he cool. did those nine other things. Yeah. So like for me, I think the legacy for me is to build a company, my company, Imagination Agency, that grows to the status of like a Disney, right? So for me, like. Where we come from, like there's not a lot of representation of characters of color and the things that are created under media that we that we consume. There's not a lot of it. So like I would say that's still the case. It's still right the case. Now, yeah, in 2018. So I'm, as a creator, I feel like so many people had their chance to tell those stories and they never did it. Right. So I have my opportunity to tell and write those stories for kids to be able to grow up with superheroes that look like them or characters of color is not focused on their colors, focus on how awesome they are and how cool they are and the adventures that they go on. Right. So I'm creating great adventures for kids to go on and, and live and grow and want to aspire to be like, whether it's magic, whether it's, you know, because I think imagination is one of the biggest things that a kid can have. Yeah, I agree. You know, so and I think there's a lack of it grow, being groomed for them because they don't see themselves. Like if you don't see yourself, like you never have to worry about taking your kid to a movie and hoping that there's somebody that looks like them. Right. Right. You don't have to worry about if I buy Like if I go to a bookstore, I got to go through 100 books before I can find two books that looks like my, like my daughter. Right. You never have to experience the fact that like, like people talk about like black Panther, like, yeah, it's a big ass movie because we don't get any movies with characters of color, superhero, like, and, but black Panther is not a book that a kid that's five or six could read. You know, it's not a comic that you read at five or six. So, like, well, I remember when I was a kid, when Eddie Murphy joined SNL, and there was like no black people on television at that point other than a couple of shows. And it was probably the most important person that was on TV for five years. There's because, no black people on Harry Potter, but there's all types of. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like that, just Check that, this out, though. I knew nobody, but that had such an impact on me. I'm like, hey, that guy. How fucked up is this, though? You watch Frozen? There's not one black person in Arendelle in Frozen. There's not, I mean, I know. But there's a talking snowman. Huh? There's a talking snowman. Actually, there's a talking snowman, but there's not one black person in the entire place of Arendelle. I don't know where Arendelle is, but I'm pretty sure some brothers made it over there on a ship. (laughs) So it's like Wyoming. (laughs) It's probably Wyoming. (laughs) I mean, it's just like all these stuff, like even like background characters. Like if you think about a cartoon and you draw background characters, the majority of them are white characters. But that's, that's mainly because the creators of the shows or you create what you know. So they're like white creators. So there's not enough young black creators being groomed. So part of my legacy is to groom young black creators to create their own stories because for so long, everyone else been creating stories for them. Well, you know what's funny? Like the last couple of years, we've had some real successes. 
And it's like, oh, blackish. Oh, this is maybe we should do more of these. It's like, yeah, yes. no but kidding. it's an anomaly. There's a giant catcher. It's like Black Panther is now the second most successful movie after oh, a month of all time. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe Avatar. maybe we should have a couple more. And I heard they're going to make six more avatars. Oh six no, they ain't gonna make it. take too long to make an Avatar no, movie. They, they, so. they already is Avatar to six. I was with Jesus. But what kind of impact do you want to have? Uh, I think uh, for I think for every because you wrote a book which I thought was interesting, which comes out in yeah. uh, beginning I mean, of next I think, month. I think uh, for like my brother was saying, I think I was reading Muhammad Ali's book and he was saying that he when he won the Olympic gold medal, he took that medal every single year. He thought that medal made him. Um, something great and it made him feel like he can get anywhere he wanted to be and be this metal was everything he slept with it and um and then when he finally went to his restaurant he couldn't get into it he said i'm the world champion and, right and they wouldn't let him in the restaurant and then he said that that's when he realized that you know the super bowls i mean i'm saying the super bowls and all those things don't really matter so our legacy as athletes has to be bigger like my brother is saying like cuz at the end of the day you can't take these medals you can't take these championships you, those things aren't really tangible and to have some kind of lasting impact is something i think that's super important and for me it's finding ways to get back into the community by like we doing creative stuff giving people opportunities building bridges and like my brother said i think that's the most important thing is when when you die you know the worst thing that happens when you see an ESP and the only thing they ever say was he had 3,000 at-bats. Former and, defensive. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not Michael like Bennett. who he was as a person and what he contributed. And I think, you know, how does your family feel about you? And I think that's what's important to me as the legacy I leave for my daughters and my wife and then also what I do for the community in the place that I am. Because the craziest thing about it is like people in Seattle wasn't even about, when I left the city, it wasn't even about me playing for the team. It was what I meant to the city yeah. as a man. And so to go to Philly and still feel that that impact and know that because you do what you do off the field is important to people, I think that's the true legacy of being able to transcend the sport. And I think that's what we strive for every single day. I spent, the highlight of my career is I spent the day with Bill Russell in like 2012. We went to see him in Mercer Island. Oh yeah, yeah. Everybody loved Bill. Yeah. Oh my God, we did a we did a show with him, and he doesn't do a lot of stuff. And he and he's also he was eighty when we yeah. did it, and he was in good shape mentally, but you know his health starting to slip, obviously. Yeah. And we I spent the day, away. and we talked about all the stuff he did, and he's just had this amazing life. And we did this documentary, we put it out, and people were like, "Wow, Bill Russell!" And it it was incredible to me because all they were they knew about him were the eleven rings. And it was like, this guy, this guy and Jim Brown and Muhammad Ali were like the three most important athletes of the sixties. Yeah. People know, still know Muhammad Ali. Like he's kind of, he's, he's stayed, he's aged well. People know most of the stories, but like, they don't know really anything that Russell did. Yeah. And it is interesting what gets remembered and what's it's like even kind like, of like, that's what I like Kaepernick, I think a lot of people, you know, at this point people, it's mixed reviews, but if you, in the future, people are going to look at that and be like, Dang, like that was fucked up. Like what he did and what he had to go through. And I think, right. you know, that's Muhammad Ali and all those guys. They all went through something. At the time, people were like, you, you fucked up. You don't want to go to Vietnam War? You know, I mean, like those type of things at the time, people were like, they didn't understand. And I think eventually time catches up to the person's thoughts. And, and Yeah, I agree. And so, and so we want to be able to have those transcendent thoughts. And when people look back and be like, oh shit, oh, they, they were right. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's that's what you want to be like. I, I think I think for like, you know, so like save our like my children's books or my inner like I do children's book. I make interactive apps. You know, I do films. Yeah. It's like 
Like, all that stuff is stuff I learned how to do, you know. But it's all about, like, growth. Like, you know, you want to grow. You want to grow from where you are. But the best thing about being able to grow is to water other people's plants, too. So you don't want to just just water your own, you know, plant all the time. Just have your own bucket on the floor. But you want to pour into the lives of others. And for me, that way is by creating things that add more color to the world, more creativity to the world, and bring more imagination to the world because that's why I feel like the key to all the world's problems. And it may sound naive as fuck, yeah. but it's imagination because without imagination, you cannot create solutions, right? Because you have to think of these ideas to be able to solve these problems. And it all starts with imagination. So therefore, when the world lacks imagination, it lacks solutions. So that's why I like to work in creativity. That's kind of the company we're trying to build here. We want... We we're an idea driven company, and we want everybody who works for us to feel like if you have a good idea, bring it to us. Yeah, like, but let's you, let's try it. It's a socialist company? No, it's it's oh. a creative company. Oh, okay, we want everybody to feel like if they have a good idea, let's try to let's try to figure it out. How do you build that environment though, where people feel safe to throw their ideas out there? Right, it's hard. So that's like the, the cultivating an environment where collaboration is key. Yeah, is really good. So it's like. Is collective genius, right? So what happens is, is like, if we're trying to make a slice of pizza, right? This is the company we're trying, like in my company, we're trying to make a slice of pizza. And the thing that I think this idea is a pepperoni pizza, hmm. right? My 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 goal is to understand the slices of genius that each individual brings to the table that makes this pizza del- the most delicious pizza it could be. Yeah. I may only have one slice of genius today, but I may have the root of the idea. You may have two slices of genius. He may have a slice of sausage, Right, Whoa. Tommy. He's not talking about me. <laughs> Tommy's got good ideas. Tommy, you got slice saying, of like, sausage. Over that here? idea may be great, but not for what we're trying. This this yeah. pie right here. You know what I'm saying? So like recognizing slices yeah, of genius it. is like the 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 really thing, the cool thing to do. So Michael, when you when you said the Kaepernick thing was mixed reviews, what does that mean? Because I, like I feel like it was a success. I mean, I know it pissed a lot of it's, people off. It's but a success. I think it was a I success. I think it was a the, good thing, and I think it mattered. I mean, I think in the minority community, it was definitely a great thing, but I think it was yeah. just mixed reviews amongst the others. I mean, the people that got mad about the standing for the Yeah, the whole thing was mixed. Stuff. I think it was yeah, okay, mixed reviews on that. But I think ultimately it, it brought a conversation, and it was a national debate about something that was serious and was that the— was, was needed to have and do you are you disappointed how the players council thing worked out i thought it was shitty i mean i can't never be disappointed i mean because it seemed like that had so much more potential than what was actually realized and i I was disappointed i was i was rooting for it i can't i never disappointed because it's one of those things it's not like it's not a loss you know what i'm saying it's not like we lost something it was an opportunity to be able to learn and then be able to give back at a certain way it might not be exactly what we wanted to give back but it was a it was a start for the younger people behind us to come in and realize that they have power and so it's not about this see that we're they'll see that the ending part is about what we plant is for the younger people to come back up and demand what they want because it's well that and that generation will do that that's I think what's happening everybody that's is getting younger is they're a little more entitled and they're a little more pushing it and that's what Kaepernick did he empowered yeah. younger people and so by empowering the younger people because the NFL guys they were most of most of us most of them was cowards you know what I mean most of them was scared and scared to see what would happen or do anything but it was younger well kids. they lost control of their league 
Well, no, I'm, not, I'm, are, talking, I'm talking about the players. The oh, players were scared. A lot of most of the players were, were scared. But yeah. there was the younger kids who were like not five years old, like like taking a knee. They don't even know. They just like, I'm not doing this. Like, you know, that's five-year-old kid, like taking a knee. That's fucking powerful. Like, or girls, all the girls' teams are just walking out. Like, I'm not dealing with this anymore. No more sexual abuse. Like, you see like Me Too movements doing stuff like that. Yeah. Or after the national, the last shooting. Every, I was going to say the Parkland every, kids are the yeah, best like, example of every that. Every shooting that happened before, like people would just talk. What did we talk? And then this year, kids, every kid walked out of kids walking out of school. We're not dealing they're with They're defiant. This. They're defiant. Yeah. And that's when that's when revolutions start or people have the opportunity to have those thought processes. And that's when people start getting scared because that's when change happens. Because the older people are just stuck in our ways. Like you like eat McDonald's the way that it is. You like doing stuff the way it is. Younger people are like, I want to get my food right now, so I need to create an app to be able for the food to be de- to deliver to me. You know what I mean? So it's like younger people are the people who are inspired to make the new ideas and create it. And I think the athletes are driving younger athletes to do more. And well, I think- you, but you guys have a separate, like you also, you have the social concerns, which, which is great and admirable and awesome. But you also have football player stuff too, about the safety of the game. There's too many games. The Thursday night game. The fact that they're still talking about going to 18. I think it's just how they, they treated they, concussions 10 years ago. All that they, shit. They don't care about safety. They care about the dollar. Right now, because but, they're, but you not, guys have the power to change that too. Nah, Do we? No, nah, I don't really know. If like you, know, you really feel powerless in that? Well, I, mean, I think a lot of guys are powerless because they're going guys that's going to do it regardless. Like for like, but for, when you're 22, 23, 24. A concussion ain't shit. Like, right. if I'm going to get paid a million, you don't really start thinking about that until you make it to 28, 29, 30 when you have kids and you think about your future. But 24, 25, that's all the fuck I want to do anyway. So, yeah, yeah I run into anything you want me to run into. You want to give me a check. But the right. biggest issue, I think, with the whole thing is that the reason why the NBA is so driven to be able to do everything that they're doing is because of LeBron James. It's because LeBron James is the best player in the world. He's the most profitable player in the world. And he speaks on every single thing. He's the person that drives that drives that car. And the NFL is not like that. The yeah. best person in the NFL aren't the ones who's talking about concussions. My brother said that. Take, for example, take Aaron Rodgers' situation. I love Aaron. Aaron Rodgers is a great player. But for a quarterback to come out and say that an organization has never done anything to a player that's been injured before, that is just a lie. Every single team, every right. single player knows that an organization has before has done a player who's been injured bad before. So it's like, well, that's we do they're paying of, the doctors. You know, well, that's what I'm they saying. They work but, for the team. They work the for doctors work for like, the team. Yeah. So like, I, my whole thing is like this. It's like... For me, it's like for you to say things like that is just irresponsible, first of all, because everybody's situation. We may use the same dentist. Yeah. But that dentist is going to be like, oh, shit, he fucked my show. You're like, I love him. He always <laughs> does a great job with me. I don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> I'm missing teeth. Yeah, yeah. But like, he fucked my shit up. Like, right. it's just what it, is, what it is. But I think until like, like the guys that really like, you'll never see Peyton Manning speak up for behalf of the black players there or his teammates, right? You'll never hear him say, you'll never hear Peyton say like, yeah, these guys are taking a knee. I think we should really get behind them and support them because their cause that they're talking about is very important to them and this whole group of people. No, they'll just sit back and be like, oh, you know, I, uh, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Their own decision. yeah. yeah, yeah I'm going to go crack open a Budweiser. You know, like whatever it may be, like there's not enough, like there's not enough emphasis on it because everybody don't really realize that our problem is everybody's problem. Yeah. Right? Because until like there's, until there's equality for him there's no equality for you right but what would happen if if the other players just said fuck it we're not doing Thursday night football anymore then, like, then, if, then, you, if you if you schedule they the games got the, they ain't got the we best then, but then but we don't like I said like LeBron James when he said we wasn't gonna play in that season 
when he said that, that was it. It was like they need a new deal. We need a new deal. Yeah, like, let's get it. But that but, won't happen. The best players in the NFL won't do that because they everybody's not on the same court. Everybody doesn't go talk. Do you think it's because you have too many players? Not because nah, you that, just don't got enough people with big nuts. And they getting paid like $40 million. Like, nuts. I don't know. What the, they don't understand. Like, I'm getting paid $40 million. I'll be like, whatever you need me to do, coach. You know what I'm saying? Everybody so, like, got right. big nuts. Baby nuts. Well, you've played with a couple of those people. <laughs> what people? People who make $40 million a year who say, do whatever I want. Hey, Bill, everybody A lot of guys at the top of the NFL are out there for themselves, right? Right. A lot of guys at the top of the NBA will try to make it better for other guys to come up and get a little bit more. Right? That's the difference. So, like, if you don't have... If the so, you're people, saying the superstars in the NBA look out for everybody else more than the NFL superstars? Yes. Cause, yeah, I, I agree. Mean, and then if you think about, like, there's not too many guys at the top of the NFL that's reaching down to help somebody get up to the top either. It's just like, oh, yeah, we're the weather's nice up here. I ain't got it. They got Billy Ghost down there. They'll eat your ass. But right. these Billy, there's no Billy Ghost to make it to the top. You know what I'm saying? It's like... It's it's almost it's an elitism always to a certain extent. The the things that seem wrong just from and I never played in the NFL obviously, but um, the schedule and the Thursday night games is crazy. Um, the way they treated concussions, which they're getting better at now, and yet I'm watching games. The first time in my life where Gronk got hurt in a, in late in the Patriots season. Mm-hmm. I think it was a playoff game. Now I'm old. It was a game before yeah, the a, Super Bowl. Yeah, it was a playoff game. And it was the first time I was like, I hope they don't bring him back. You know, Wait, my did, entire life I would have been like, where's Gronk? Just give him some smelling salts. And now so I was like- So you're human now. Wait, did you No, see, I just, I, know, I am more educated well, now. I know more about what's right and wrong about injuries. Did you see when the, the quarterback for the Texans had a, the seizure on the field? Yeah, and they put him back in. He, I was hurt this year, so I, got, I saw a bunch of shit, right? Right. He- Locked up and started shaking on the field. I'm watching. I'm like, yeah, what's, oh, what's fuck? Like, take this guy to the hospital. This guy, y'all, fuck. And then two plays later, he's back in the game playing quarterback. And then the coach had the nerves to say, "Yeah, I, I didn't really see what happened." Um, you know, that's up to the medical but the staff. Fans but it's your quarterback. Right. You know, if your quarterback and you have goes, 12 coaches in the suite looking down. But no, when your quarterback goes down, don't regardless, like, every other position on the football field, like when it, when you get hurt at practice, they just move the field. Like it's like cows um just hurting. They just move to the 10 yards up and you get back here with the medical staff. The quarterback it hurts, everything stops for a right, minute. Right. right. You know when your quarterback is hurt because that's just the way they treat him. So to say that I didn't see the quarterback go down or get hurt, I don't know what happened. It's just ridiculous. We have to wrap it up. This was fun though. Did you guys have a good time? It was yeah. okay. I thought it was going to be a little I more thought, flavorful. I Michael was going to be on his phone the whole time, but I actually felt like he was, he, no, I had his attention most of the yeah, time. He had my attention. I mean, most people don't get my attention. It costs money, but since we're doing this for free, I guess I gave you 50%. <laughs> so, yep. But All right, just so we'll sign do more out, stuff together. Yeah, to sign out though, make sure y'all go get Michael's new book. Things yeah, that, give a plug. Do a book Things plug. that make white people uncomfortable. It's coming out April 3rd. I wrote the forward in it, and the forward is the it's, it's one of the really, best really. Huh? By the way, the By form. the way, you can pre-order it, and it counts toward the first week's sales, which yeah. would be good for you. Um, but I also have a new interactive children's book app coming out on the 27th as well. They'll well, be you. able to download us also. I left some stuff on the table for the sequel to this podcast, because you guys got to come back. Thank you very much, guys. Thank thanks, Bill. All right. Thanks to ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. And one last thing, don't forget, Ringer MLB Show, Jacko and I are going to be on there probably tonight. 
probably like 10, 12 hours after you hear this, Jacko's 2018 Yankees season preview. And I'm just going to make fun of them the entire time. And then the Recapables Billions launching Sunday night after the first episode of Billions. And ironically, our next guest on this podcast might be involved in Billions in some way. Yeah, I'll leave that as a little teaser for you. A little greeny tease. See you soon. <laughs>